Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to your favorite musical theater cast and review. Just wanted to hop on quickly and give a bumper warning for today's episode. We covered the topic of religion, which has its own triggers for many people, both religious and non-religious, so we wanted to make sure we gave that heads up, and to also say that we will be talking about the topic of Jesus and this time and era from an artistic perspective. In no way we want to denounce your personal views or beliefs. We also wanted to say the topic of suicide may come up, as it is a main plot point in our show today, so feel free to skip sections or today's episode entirely if you happen to not feel in that space to hear. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Happy listening. Uh, I I just, I have to, I mean, you know me. I, I can't not ask you. Who are you? you? I don't know. Oh, you. I'm sorry. What? Who are you? Um, I, I just, I need to know the answer to this question. Um, what exactly do you think it looked like when this entire group of humans had like, a wine-filled orgy right before Jesus goes to get crucified. What do you think that that entire scene looked okay, like? Okay, hold on. One, you think an orgy happened? I do, yes. Was it like a blessed orgy? <laughs> Did it matter? <laughs> I can probably say they were screaming, oh God. <laughs> this has gone off track very quickly. You know, uh, but that's okay, because you want to know what? It goes off track because you're in the booth with me today. I am. I am so excited. So there's not going to be a two second delay. So it sounds like I'm interrupting you all the time. You're not interrupting me and knock that off. <laughs> so I feel like in order to really do this justice, there's only one thing to do. And we need to take this show from the top. From the top. A five, six, seven. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of From the Top, your favorite musical theater cast and review. My name is Mary. I'm Steven. And we are in the booth live today, and we have two very special guests near and dear to both of our hearts. We have Megan Scott and Sabrina Malachek in the studio today to talk to us about Jesus Christ Superstar. I'm so excited. Say ladies, hello, ladies, welcome. Welcome to the show, ladies. Really hard to not laugh at your opening. <laughs> I'm just dying over here. <laughs> They're both just like making eye contact over the top of the mics, just like. Oh no no, we couldn't look at each other. Oh no, <laughs> no. we were very determinedly not looking at each other for that entire cold open. <laughs> I am literally so excited to have all of these humans in this room. It's so delightful. It's you, so fun. See, now I'm cutting you off. I mean, it's it, no, is it? Th but this show pushed boundaries and it made a lot of people uncomfortable. Yes, it did. Mm, that's the truth. I mean, and the, and of course, our rendition of this in particular also did that. Yeah. So you know, speaking of, what show are we? Covering? Today. So today on the marquee, we are covering Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh my gosh. Jesus! You started to believe the things they say of you. You really do believe this talk of God is true. And all the good you've done will soon get swept away. You've begun to matter more than the things you say. It's one of those things where like when I get into a show, 
Like if I've never done it before and I've never heard of the music before, I start listening to it when you get into rehearsals to the point that like when I'm on the treadmill, I'm listening to Gethsemane. Why am I doing this? I don't know, but I'm, but I'm doing it. And so I just get obsessed with it. But um, today's show is going to be very interesting. Yeah, we have fun little things. Uh, vantages on every... <laughs> we really do. I love that you're that you're masking what's really happening. So I think uh, this is now our second Andrew Lloyd Webber musical. <sighs> I know. Oh boy. Um, I, I think know. I've just discovered... I'm so sorry. I'm, yeah, we... <laughs> I'm not a fan Phantom. of a Webber musical. Phantom has just like weaseled its way into every show that we've talked about. And so now we are doing another... We're going to dedicate two episodes to Andrew Lloyd Webber. Again. I know. But okay, Phantom did it. We didn't do that on purpose. This we're doing on purpose. Yeah. Well, so. that was my fault. I <laughs> had a lot to say. <laughs> so uh, this is kind of fun. Uh, if you had to describe this show, what is your synopsis of Jesus Christ Superstars in three sentences or, or less? less. Are we going to collaborate on three sentences? Or are we going to each do our own three sentences? That, that would be fun. We're going to collaborate on three <laughs> yeah. sentences. So Let's each of them gets right one, now. and then they both have to fill in the last one together. That'll be great. All right, do, do you want to take the first sentence? Um, first sentence. Two very good friends. One becomes popular, and they meet a lot of people. <laughs> the popular one makes a cult, and the unpopular one has to kill him for it. <gasps> And then the final sentence, and somehow this folklore became religion. Is that, is that, is that, is that blasphemous? Is that something I, we shouldn't say? Perfection. I we don't, that we was... don't need, you know what? Uh, it's been great yeah, in today. So great. Here's an outro and we're done oh, now. Sorry, sorry. That was, perfect. Is that, was that bumper mainly about me? <laughs> I mean, I didn't, well, not mainly about you, but only mildly about you. That was perfect. I actually, yeah. I mean, there's nothing that, I need I, to add to I that. I really didn't have any sentences. They were more like <laughs> it was small words. statements. You did great. Small statements are perfect. That's all we need, truly. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar. It, it pushed boundaries. And a lot of people hated this because it showed sort of religion in this this way that a lot of people don't like to think about yeah. Christianity in, in a lot of ways. So I, I applaud it for trying to start pushing boundaries. Like, good job, Weber and Tim Rice, for... <laughs> wanting to push boundaries. So uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber came off of uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, mm. which is very set and based in true biblical fact and uh, everything. I think he wanted to explore other avenues. And it just so happened that Tim Rice wanted uh, or had always had this idea in his head to tell a story from Judas's perspective in a way and and sort of explore, you know, what how Pilate uh, and Judas's uh, went down in history as antagonists to this story of Jesus. Sure. I'm dropping names. We should yes. probably open up a cast list. Um, <laughs> there's so, only like eight people in it. Yeah, there's only like eight people and then everyone's in the ensemble. Um, so yes, for those of you who have, you know, never seen the show before, first of all, shame on you. Secondly, go listen to the music immediately. So of course we have our title character is Jesus Christ. Uh, and then we have Judas Iscariot. We have Mary Magdalene and it just says Peter. <laughs> which is probably fine. Um, he, was, he was one of the apostles. He was one of the apostles, yeah. yes. And then uh, Simon Zelotes, Caiaphas, King Herod, Pontius Pilate, Annas, and the ensemble. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, 
nine title-ish characters and then everyone else's filler. Yeah, so I think it's deceptive because it's actually needing to be like a big cast show. Yes. You need to show all yes. of Dion, all of his followers and all of the 50,000, mm -hmm. right? But um, I guess you could do it minimally. I mean, like, I, I, you could do it. And then like, you know, of course, everybody else has to like, envision the 50,000 and do all the thing. But I don't know, I, I, of course, you know, from our the perspective of the three of us, since we were in the show together. Um, how did you do you guys feel that if we had done that show with only like the eight title characters? Like, how do you feel that would have come across without having the other ensemble people to like, do the things? I think the ensemble makes it. I've actually done the show twice um, oh, in girl. my life. The oh, first girl. time as an ensemble, which I almost thought was a little more fun than sure. playing Jesus because sure. you get to be every single different character. You get to be like an adoring, like, I will love you to the end of times. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> and, and then you also get to like hate them by the end and just yeah. want to kill him. And sure. I, I loved being that as the ensemble the first time I did it. That's so um, cool. Uh, yeah, I think the ensemble is needed for sure. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think even if you don't have the bodies on stage, musically speaking, the songs lose. You need that power. So much. Yeah. I and mean, you need at least, I'd say 10 to 11 people singing that as ensemble. Sure. The more the better. I think even if you only cast your sort of eight people and you had one guy who just ran around wearing many hats and everyone else, <laughs> the, the appeal Can you of imagine? This, oh man, you do it like a thirty-nine steps where everyone's just yeah. Oh my god, like that's a great show. This. Yeah, um, that's a great show. So I think yes, you could do it with less people, but would it be worth doing? Sure, probably not. Yeah. Sure, I, I do kind of like an idea of you get to fill in the blanks with your mind like some stage productions do. But I agree, musically, I think it needs that support. So yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Especially when everybody, like the the one the one number that nobody could seem to like get the opening like, uh, hey, Zanna, ho, Zanna. Yeah. Like we, it, it, everyone was always like one count behind where they needed to be. And it's like, God dang it, you guys. Like you have to pretend like this is the best thing in your life. So hit the eight, would you please? And we're all just like, yeah. We're not feeling it. We're not feeling it. We can't. It's cold down in this basement and I can't sing. It was, oh my God, it was. It I don't was, know. I wasn't invited to that number. <laughs> oh yeah, we should probably bring up that uh, <laughs> the uh, show in that we are referencing that you three were a part of. Yes. Um, that was gender bent. Yes, it was gender bent. And it was bent. fun. It was pushing uh, boundaries again. Yes. So, um, uh, I'm excited to talk about a little bit of that and how that uh, maybe affected the show too. Yes, of um, course. But we will, of course, talk about original source and like doing mm -hmm. doing all this. But I'm I'm really excited to delve into how all of those little fun tiddly bits. The tiddly bits. Well, I mean, should we take this? Oh, I guess there is only one place to start from the beginning. That will bring us back. So dough. So dough. Where do we start? So, um, from the beginning, um, I didn't totally deep dive this show. I wanted to keep some of this light. Um, I'm still reeling from my Andrew Lloyd Webber deep dive <laughs> from Phantom. <laughs> so I'm still getting over it. I mean, to the point that he ordered a book and like read the book I that read was the, the original the 1912. Oh my God. Book. Please don't tell me you read the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> 
I did that's, not. That's a bit I did not read the honest. entire Bible. There's no, only like three not. books in it that actually apply to this. I would only need to read the last week of Jesus's life, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's fine. If anything, it's like eight or nine chapters, I think, and yeah. then then you're done. Perfect, <laughs> and then you're done. <laughs> don't don't worry about the subtext; it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, so that's uh, great. The, the one thing I do love about the show is well, I'm going to bring up Ben Vereen again. He was in the original Broadway version of this show. Oh yeah, he got yes, to play yes. Judas. I believe. Um, and uh, But it was uh, sort of a short-lived thing, and so a lot of people don't know that he got to play Judas. So I wanted to bring that up first and foremost because I am a Ben Vereen stan. Yes, 1,000%. So, yeah. Um, but uh, so I guess this uh, originated, it started as a concept album before it was able to be produced. Sure. So they got It got a lot of traction in that regard. Um, so time and era sort of made it feel like it could um, be produced. They were scared and hesitant to to make this show a thing because sure. they were worried about pushing boundaries in that instance. Mm-hmm. Um, but proving that people wanted this mm-hmm. was sort of how they uh, gave reason for putting this up on a stage. That seems like it's a it's a running theme of a lot of our shows that seem to get a little bit like heavy in the material itself as somebody had to advocate for it first for it to be on stage. But I also feel like that's like a theater thing in general that like if you think it's a story that's worth telling and something that that needs to be seen by people, you will advocate before someone goes, "Yeah, all right, fine, here's some money. Like go ahead and do the thing." <laughs> like it's yeah, it's always you have to we're we're constantly fighting people to have to do our art. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, so it was really Tim Rice who I sort of dropped this before. He came in with this idea and proposed it to Weber, who, like I said, had just come out of uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dream Coach. Sure. Um, so he was already in this biblical headspace. Um, but uh, Tim Rice is quoted in his autobiography. This is directly from that. Um, from a very young age, I had wondered what I might have done in the situations in which Pontius Pilate and Judas, um, Judas Iscariot, found themselves. Uh, how were they to know Jesus would be accorded divine status by millions and that they would, as a result, be condemned? That alone is a great idea. Mm-hmm. So it just sort of blossomed from there. Why should you want to know? Don't you mind about the future? Don't you try to think ahead? Save tomorrow for tomorrow. I, I was like, do I deep dive into the Bible and how like, what we? I think religion is pretty like you know people know the story of Jesus and yeah. I'm like I'm not gonna proselytize <laughs> to to people who are like yes this is how it went down but, yes so I we know you know so like these are just the basic facts of how this show originated and what the thought process was behind sure. creating it sure um so yeah uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted to get a little edgy. Um, the fun fact about the show, we dropped this, so this, this was the fun fact, it prompted the making of Rocky Horror Picture Show. I did not know that. Yeah. I also did not know that. Yeah. So, That's freaking awesome. Because like people would, were literally protesting this show. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Uh, to be like, no, don't put this on. This is like, this is heresy. Uh, but uh, because it had this huge sort of PR problem, it mm-hmm. only made it bigger, mm-hmm. which I find funny because that was kind of Jesus's story. <laughs> I would say that's probably accurate. So yeah. it, it, was, it was like reality, which is also the message in the show to make it contemporary. So I was like, oh, this is really interesting. Uh, 
But because it pushed boundaries and it, it did that, it sort of paved the way for other edgy 70s Broadway. <laughs> <laughs> Just thinking about the idea that a biblical story brought about rocky horror picture show <laughs> like yeah, that right? just those two ideas are not even on the same playing field and yet i love that one came from the other yeah like that just oh god that literally makes my heart so happy all, all i'm delightful. taking away from this is that frankenfurter is god yes so I'm, glad, I'm glad that we had this talk yes <laughs> and well, outro this, let's be done <laughs> this also kind of makes me think of um just like performance and music in general sure. like back in the the olden times like we were talking earlier about Handel's Messiah mm -hmm. and yes. they, he used um, biblical text because that is what people knew. Mm -hmm. That is what they were familiar with. Absolutely. And Handel's Messiah is not supposed to be a religious. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it, yeah. it wasn't, it of was supposed not. to be done in the theaters and then it was started, started going in the church. And yeah. Wow. So when I think Andrew Lloyd Webber and Jesus Christ superstar is very similar. I don't know. I'm, if people people just know the the Bible. I um, love it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Actually fun jumping off that. Andrew Lloyd Webber was not happy with the original Broadway production of this. He's like, it never actually hit because a lot of the producers were like, we need to make this a little more gaudy. Not <laughs> not G A U D Y. But G O D D Y. Uh but gaudy oh, also God. with flashy. With flashy. <laughs> Let's make um, it flash. But yeah, he was not happy because he's like, this is supposed to push those boundaries and like make it. But they were like, we need to make it approachable from a religious perspective. So it had to sort of transform because of the producer's side. Sure. They wanted more. Herod I, I was going to try to. Oh I, my God. Yeah. Yes. I was going to yeah. try to date this and be like, zero BC? <laughs> <laughs> like, what is the time of this? <laughs> 1 AD. No, 1 BC. There we go. Yeah, I don't know. Yes, um, sure. I don't know. So they had to take it back to that. But uh, the most recent uh, UK arena tour that actually had Mel C. Mel C. And as yeah. yeah. Um, is the closest version that Andrew Lloyd Webber is actually happy with. He hated hmm. the 74 <laughs> movie. That of came course out. he did. Hated it. Of course it. he did. Hated Mr. It. Is it art? Like, come on. Yeah. Let's go. So, uh, but yeah. So I just found it funny that like even he wasn't happy with how this came out because he he did. He was like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it. So I love it. that's the one thing I will say. Get a one one point four Weber in that. Cool. One check mark in the pro column for Weber. <laughs> Fair enough. There's an entire like the I think of the uh, the scene in uh, Count of Monte Cristo where he's like taking off the days like on his mm. cell wall. Here's all the negatives about Andrew Lloyd Webber and Steven's column of pros and cons. But I mean, oh, there's so many. Cons, I know. But, um, yeah. I see. But again, uh, I'm not going to yuck your yum. If you love. No, if you like Webber, you do it. If you love Webber. You love you him. Do it. You do it. Please do. <laughs> uh so, uh, needless to say, I hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get back to the Venom part of yeah, this. Great. So, um, okay. I find it actually has a little bit of an identity crisis. Um, oh, explain. Yeah, I give it props on trying to be creative in the sense that uh, a lot of Judas perspective is told, right? Like, that's where this, this comes from. But then, um, is Judas the protagonist or is Jesus? Mm. Oh, that's an ex- director. Ooh, will you expound? On that? I think that's what makes a show worth seeing again, is I don't want to see the exact same show. And with shows like 
And I would argue it's why Mamma Mia is stuck around as long as it has. I'd argue it's why Jesus Christ Superstar is stuck around as long as it has. Sure. Is that you'll see one production of it and it is very much all about Jesus and you sympathize for him and you feel Gethsemane. Mm -hmm. And then you'll see another production where it's all about Judas and halfway through it, you're like, just throw a rock at the man already. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. You're right. He absolutely deserves to die. Like, please, someone take care of the problem. But that's funny because I I felt bad for Judas in this latest arena tour I watched. Mm. I felt, I was like, he's almost a modern voice of anyone on social media being like, nope, cancel them because they have too much power. It's like a big corporation. I was like, no, sure. you you have too much power. This isn't a thing. I felt bad for him. Sure. So it's funny because you can take it either way, I think, mm. which I think only says this show has an identity crisis because it's not set in stone, but it also makes it malleable. Sure. Yeah. It gives you something to play with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it sort of creates this imbalance in my mind just sure. because I am wondering who is the protagonist. Like biblical storyline understood, like, Jesus's plot is set in stone. We can't really deviate from that. Sure. We have a little more play maybe with Judas, and I think that's mm. where the creative can come from. I think it could have more could have been done in terms of maybe exploring Jesus's internal feelings on it. Sure. And we since we have a Jesus in the room, <laughs> in every version I saw and have have seen with this show, my experience with the show, I'm I always question, am I supposed to like Jesus? Sort of full unironic question. <laughs> um, do you think what are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts is definitely. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, playing Jesus, uh, I kind of dove into the the fights that are kind of going on in what was my head um, because there's this higher calling and what you're supposed to do yeah. on the earth. And the fact that I was 30 years old, I'm super young. That's our, our ages, a little younger. Yeah. Yeah. So there was kind of that contradiction of needing to be the the son or I guess daughter of God. But, sure. Um, yeah. And I think more of it comes out in um, when he's atoning for everyone's sins, I think is the one time maybe where you get to explore a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. But up until that point in the show, for me, I think it's a, li- it's a little light, Patricia. I don't get a lot of those feelings. When I was playing it, it was very much about like, holy crap, this blew up really fast and I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> yeah, um, I love when you're love in the that. temple and then he said, it's too <clears throat> much and it's like, heal yourselves. Yeah, yeah. I, that moment I thought for that me was very like, is human. Yes, yep. Yeah. And I hung on to that. Yeah. Um, because it made me feel like a real character. Like yeah. I could relate to this. Yeah. yeah. So for for anyone who doesn't know this show, Inside and Out. So uh, eventually we get to the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved what they did in the, the arena tour that I saw of this particular show. Uh, they made it like this nightclub. And, oh my God, yes. And it, it was like, <laughs> it was literally, talk about heresy. Go-go dancers and everyone's just being worldly. <laughs> and then it transitions into, oh, this is not what I had in mind. And <laughs> then it goes into like the lepers and wanting to be healed and, yep. and all of this. And, and it just becomes too much yep. and uh, gorgeously done in to my mind. It's an interesting take on fame. And it makes me wonder, I've never uh, occurred to me that Jesus may have been a bit tortured and torn by this power and influence that he had. I can uh, relate to that for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I never think of it that way. To view him as human with human struggles and not just some divine being with purpose is was interesting to me. 
That's why I really enjoyed our rendition of it when we were in the temple because we started it as, yeah, it's drunken debauchery. Everybody is there drinking wine. They're doing things. I mean, Faye ran out and threw glitter on the stage every single night, which was amazing to clean up. But, <laughs> but you know, we get to this. We're, we're all having such a great time. And yes, it's great. And then the lepers show up. The way that this was choreographed was the lepers are like walking around Jesus and yeah. they're crawling to her, reaching up, grabbing every square inch of Megan. Yes. And then she goes, heal yourselves. And it just literally everybody falls back away yeah. from her. And it was that moment where like, you know, of course being on stage and like seeing it is one thing, but like going back and seeing the replay of it, not cause we were talking about method acting like earlier today, but before the mics turned on, but like it really felt like a moment where you as an actor and as a character, went, get your hands off me. And it was so cool because like both of you guys had those moments in the show, especially can we like just take one small moment and talk about the fact that Judas's death scene was an entire silks act that this lovely human choreographed because yeah. she's an aerial fitness instructor. Ooh. So hi, can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> the crucifixion was also a silks act. I did not do that alone. Yeah, well, no, yes. I'm, wait, no, I'm not to downplay all, the crucifixion, but they were, acts, yes, they were all silks acts. Yes. But I mean, yeah. it was, yeah, it was really cool to watch, to, but yeah, to, to watch those moments were really, really Was cool. there a time where you were just thinking, these people are a little crazy and they're a little too quick to follow me? <laughs> I thought that, yes, because yeah. going into it, I wanted to be relatable. Uh, yeah. I've Because I'd done it before, I saw how another Jesus kind of took it, and I've, I've watched a lot of different shows and productions of Jesus Christ Superstar. So I had things in my mind that I wanted to take from other actors and incorporate my own kind of thoughts on it. And yes, I I wanted to be relatable. And so there were moments in the show that I was just like, you people are crazy. Like, <laughs> stop touching me. Leave me alone. I'd really like to live past my 33rd birthday or yeah. whatever it was. I don't remember the age. But, but uh, it brings it up. I think it, at some point he, he knew that this was going to be the end, mm -hmm. how yep. how he was going to die. And so like, was there a moment of like, what do you call it? When you just know it's, it's a thing. So you like you're, resolve. Yeah. Like, you're just, I'm resolved. just resolved. Yeah. 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 And that happened during Gethsemane. I like, I, I wanted every night to be very much about like starting that song. And then by the end of the song, I wanted the audience to know, like, I'm, this is, I, I'm going forward with your plan because I have no choice. So yeah. that's kind of how I played that. Uh, how how is playing a uh, villain? Do you what what is your villain? I quote <laughs> <laughs> air quotes. But like I just think of no, I, I, Judas is like a modern day whistleblower, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. What surprised you most about portraying Judas in what humanity were you able to find within this sort of not downtrodden character, a character that is hated by billions. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. I think having a religious background, I mean, going to Christian schools, knowing this story inside and out, it was always something that I think I was aware of when I heard the story, which was, if it wasn't Judas, it was going to be someone else. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how yeah. this story has to end. If, mm -hmm. if you believe that this is what had to happen for humanity, why do you villainize the person who made it possible? Yeah. 
Yeah, like, it's the, this it's the is Adam the and Eve Eve your... had to partake. Yeah, absolutely. So why do you villainize that moment? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. Jesus had to die. That is the entire tenement of what this story, what this religion is built off. Yeah, yeah. someone had to kill him, and so I always viewed, I've always viewed Judas, Judas as a tragic character, um, very much to the the idea of at what point do you put someone out of their misery when they ask you to? Yeah. At what point do you look at someone you love and when they say, I need you to do this for me, yeah. do you do it? Is that the most incredible act of selfishness or is that the most selfless thing you can do? Um, so I think that was very much the idea of Judas that, that I held on to was this person who is so desperate so incredibly desperate that's, desperate that's yeah. really good to find a way to save not only themselves but also the things that they care about and i mean to me judas is massively summed up in heaven in your minds that singular line of you've begun to matter more than the things you say like i i think judas believes jesus didn't want this but it's gone too far yeah it and is, now there's it no is going a back. cult in the desert yeah. it is a problem <clears throat> and this has to be done, but God, I wish someone else would do it. Yeah. And if yeah. no one else is going to step up to the plate, then I guess I have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, Judas was never a villain even before Jesus Christ Superstar, right. which made playing him a lot easier to connect with. That it was always, to me, just a very, very historically pathetic character, a character who cannot help themselves, who cannot change their fate, and who would give anything <laughs> to not have to do what they're going to do. Well, and I think I forget that Jesus and Judas were friends and that I forget that that there is this connection between the two of them. Because, I mean, growing up, going to, you know, Christian school and, and learning all these things like you're only ever pa- Judas is only ever painted in the light of you are the outcast. You were the one that did all the things. And of course, like, you know, humanity looks down on you and you're the only person that we know is in hell because, you know, you took your own life. But um I, I thought it was uh, it's it's fascinating to to come back to the fact that it like you said it's the hardest thing to do for someone that you love but do you do it because you love them or do you not do it because you love them like there's this line that you're telling so like I I just want you guys to talk really quick about so in the process when we began you guys kind of like came together pretty quickly and started like you know doing a lot of rehearsals the two of you and like you guys did a lot of bonding. So um, talk a little bit about like how that influenced your ability to be able to perform these characters. Well, I could immediately trust Judas Sabrina. <laughs> I could immediately Judas trust Sabrina. <laughs> I could immediately trust you. And it's weird, like knowing the <clears throat> ending to a show, you, you can't give it away before it actually happens. So you have to move forward throughout the the show being like you're, you're my friend what's going on i'm very confused why, why are you doing this okay you have to continue doing this because it's the way it has to be and i understand now but it still hurts kind of thing and we had to have that trust like very fast sure <laughs> i think it twofold helped one that our director errol Koch very specifically had the two of us doing rehearsals alone together, um, had us doing a lot of exercises outside of the script work to bond with each other. Um, In the very beginning of the show, in the overture, he actually had us come on stage together and face each other behind a curtain. And I think every night that was really when the show started for me. 
Like I'd get in makeup and I'd get in costume and we'd do the warm ups. And but the show didn't start for me until we were backstage in the wings making eye contact across the stage. And it was just instantly a very safe space and also a very tragic one. It was walking on stage, facing each other, very much as you said, knowing how it ended and knowing we're going to do it again. <laughs> and it's going to hurt <laughs> every night and we're going to do it every night. And the other side of that was learning silks together, um, doing something very physical and very scary and very challenging. You do sort of trauma bond with yeah. people when, <laughs> when you do something new and scary. And so we were doing something foreign to both of us when I was an aerialist, but I didn't do silks. They weren't my my main apparatus. You hadn't done silks before. At all. Um, so we brought in an external trainer, Mariah Gladstone, and she worked with us and we were working with 70 foot silks. We mm -hmm. were climbing so high. We were working on these scary, hard things. Getting bruises. Yeah, getting bruises, <laughs> getting sore, getting trapped nerves, like going through all these things sure. very much together. And I think that also, outside of the production, gave us sort of a hobby that we did together. <laughs> like it was still for the I show. I love but that. It was this time we spent together uh, really pushing ourselves. Sure. And I think that helped form and cement that bond really quickly in a way that I haven't had in other shows before. That literally gave me goosebumps as you guys were talking about that. Like that just like, that's like the core of theater to me. And it's totally. the reason why we continue to do what we do is because we get to form these really cool bonds with people that we trust and love and care about. And then the, the show is the product of that bond, but that bond lives long after that show is done. And my oh, I have goosebumps. God, that was so cool. <laughs> All right. So I'm done waxing poetic well, yeah, now well, about my fun friends. Well, anyway. No, but kind of like joining it together, like uh, God, this story, like Jesus was a flash in the pan. And is now just a memory, but came in, did the thing, and it lives on in memory. And you have the ability to pick up what was done and pull from it. Yeah. But that's theater. It's a flash in the pan. Yeah. It's a moment. And you continue on. Yeah. And you can pick it back up again. You can put on the show again. But it's not the same. Uh, I will say, uh, sort of watching bits of the scene, scenes with all of the ensemble with these followers of Jesus, um, it kind of makes me need the comet to hit. <laughs> um, I just couldn't stop thinking about like how trash humans are. Some humans are more humans, but humanity in general. Yes, a lot of the time you can blanket statement that it's yeah. okay. Like we it's are okay. a needy, needy, stupid species. We're just sometimes. a needy bunch. <laughs> um, it was just astonishing. I we want easy fixes and sort of to be told what to do. Yep. Um, and as we mentioned before, like uh, if we are told what to do, accountability can be passed or spelled out. And that means you can sort of pass the buck, pass the blame. Like yeah. it doesn't have to be on you. And in this case, in like of religion, maybe you feel like you have a leg up on some answers or you sure. feel maybe even superior in some ways. Grinds my gears a little bit. Just <laughs> seeing it, like having it affronting me on stage being like, oh, yeah, like we we like the easy way out is that. And I think this show says that <clears throat> a lot. And this podcast is not about politics. So. No, 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 <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. It, 
Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Humans it's just are, hard not to think about that. Yeah. Humans are pack animals that are incredibly bad at being pack animals. Like, <laughs> well, we we need other people, but we are so bad at coexisting yeah. with other people. Yes. It's, it's, it's also like uh, animals and like even bacteria or viruses. Like we, uh, they all understand you cannot fight each other and kill each mm. other and like survival of the fittest it's sort of this idea but humans as a species we have the ability with our evolution of brain to <laughs> be selfish which is not usual in nature mm -hmm. so i just find that like we we sometimes eat our own tail well, and the idea that like in this show in particular, we as the species are going, oh my God, Jesus is here to like do all the things and save all of them, save all of us from ourselves and we'll solve all of our problems. And then simultaneously we're like, nah, this guy needs to die because we don't, we, you're outside of what we are. Like we both want you and don't want you. And, and the, just how quickly people went back and forth with the love and the hate of the thing gave me whiplash. Yeah. Well, Anybody uh, else? Just me? Yeah. Oh, totally. <clears throat> but it talks about power and how much power one individual can have. Yes. And is that okay? Which brings in this superstar element, right? Yes. It becomes this fame monster, so to speak, and the influence. Like, I, I liken Jesus unto, like, Beatles, right? They made mm -hmm. that comparison. They have so much influence. I think people were a little... You, you can use that to your benefit or it's also a detriment. If I, if someone back when said to the Beatles, hey, can you say this? I'm going to, because we need to progress this idea. If the Beatles would have publicly stated whatever, I think a cult could have happened or something, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's like group think, yeah. bandwagon theory. Yeah. Like it's, it's all within this realm. Yeah sort of playing off that this is a 70s musical and i think beatles played maybe a part in that right sure. like starting this superstar idea they were the mm. biggest thing elvis presley like we have these staples and 70s was when rock came onto the scene and this is a rock musical so sure. we're starting to have rock stars mm -hmm. and this idea of fame and and all of that and how that looks um I think the show does a good job, too, walking that fine line. Yeah. Then I guess jumping, speaking into the music of this show. Personally, this I'm, it's weird because I'm actually going to say another nice thing about Weber. <laughs> I hate the lyrics in this show. I love the composition. Huh. Oh, I did not. <laughs> How dare you? Ooh, okay. <laughs> She made the face, so I had to hit the button. I love it. The perfect moment for the button. Yes. Do it. Well, Push the button. We've been well, here, for it the whole here, time. Perfect. I want to know more. I really do need to know more. The lyrics to me feel pedantic and overly simple. And uh, I'm waiting for another button push. Yeah, I don't know. It, it just makes me wonder why if Flourish has a concept album. Like I, maybe that's overthinking it because like if Justin Bieber can sing "Baby" forty times and. You yeah. know, yeah. and then it becomes <laughs> yeah. a hit. It's like maybe I'm overthinking it, but it's also I don't call that good. <laughs> so I don't know. But that's that's my thing. But I I find the composition a little better. But this was also Tim Rice's and Andrew Lloyd Webber's first time working together, to my knowledge. So it was maybe finding a synergy. But yeah, why? What? What? Uh, what? Don't you agree? Well, I I just I feel like Gethsemane is a really well written. Sure, like the. Like, I would agree with you on pretty much the entire rest of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> the rock no, no, no. Okay. It, it, there, there are, there are songs that I think are different 
Um, but yeah, and <laughs> you would. I mean, yeah, I, mean, me. I, I would. <laughs> since you brought them up, and um, this is where there's a couple of statements I've held back because I I know that the theater community oh God, is going to have a back. don't hold back, babe. <laughs> nope, claws out. Let's go. Ready? Um, but <clears throat> you mentioned the Beatles. Yeah. I wouldn't say that most of the Beatles songs are particularly complicated lyrically. Absolutely, yeah. So I do think you're looking at a musical written in the 70s. There, you, this is before we have rap. This is before we have yeah. a lot of the spoken word and a lot of music that is looking for complicated, big word. I mean, the, John Lennon wasn't pulling out his thesaurus for eight days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. it was just... <laughs> That's just what it was. So I do <laughs> agree that it's not the most impressive or groundbreaking yeah. musical musically, but I also don't think there's anything specifically wrong with the songs. Like right. they're simplistic, they're repetitive. They get stuck but in their head. They get stuck in your head. <laughs> yeah. I think most of what we were what we were listening to, what was coming out in the seventies, was very repetitive and very is yeah. it catchy? Great, that's good enough. Walk away. Let's from go. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I think maybe when I say composition, because this is almost like an, a rock opera in a way, because so mm. much of it is yes. music. Mm -hmm. um, I like how it was strung together. I like how the story was told, and maybe that's where I'm coming at it from. True. As in, I like how it was strung together, True. not necessarily the music. Because let's bring this up. <laughs> it's the same four melody lines yeah. done over and over and over. I felt like I was getting 40 <laughs> lashes, like Jesus, hearing these freaking things <laughs> over and over. Like, I was nailed to the cross. Like, come on. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. There is there's a uh. whole section <clears throat> Superstar, yeah, the, the big final song, where they just repeat over and over again, Jesus Christ Superstar, yeah. Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. And... Judas just sort of riffs through it. And about halfway through normally that rift progression, I was looking at the musical director like, can we cut it? Can we? Please. I'm, in, I'm sick of the sound of my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> I have done this whole show and we have like 16 more counts of just the same thing over. Like, God, God, stop. Like, I want to be done yes. with this song. Mm -hmm. Well, at piggybacking off that question, then I got to ask what, I mean, I'm sure we're probably all going to do this, but I'm going to jump ahead. I want to know your favorite song in the show, whether it was something you sang or something that you heard and the, in your opinion, the worst song in the show. I am going to say that the crucifixion only because we had to sing E for 205 <laughs> measures. <laughs> I love fair. you so much. My arm was like, <laughs> when do I get to put this down? When can I stop singing Are this note? Are you dead yet? Are you dead yet? <laughs> right, or can we walk up? Nope. Okay. We're still here. Yep. Cool. Um, oh, look. Okay. She dropped her head. And okay. Now we're going to go down and now we're just going to walk off the stage. So that's mine. But... But I'm I'm really curious to know. I hated what's the buzz. It's the buzz down. I'll just like the buzz is yeah. get your out of here. Yeah. Perfect. Because again, the buzz same repetitive yeah. it, it was the same repetitive thing. Ear, oh my god. And then uh, trying to have to remember the steps to which what the buzz we were doing and then like how many what the buzzes do we sing with the thing? I think my least favorite, and this is entirely just because I wanted to be something it's not. Uh, the perfect. Always hoped that I'd be mm. an apostle. Oh my God, yes. I think it's pretty the first couple of times. And then I just want it to become red, red wine. <laughs> like the, the more they like sing it and get drunk as you sing it, because you're all supposed to be a bit. And that's the point where that's just really one that I'm like, 
no, 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 <laughs> no. I lost interest now. It was, yeah, it was a bit lullaby, Fair and enough. then it's supposed to get into a bit of a drunken revelry, and mm-hmm. it just stayed like a. Yeah, it just sounds like everyone doing it yeah. has fallen asleep. And not in a good way. Yes. Like in a, is there some, did someone put something in your drink? <laughs> you have, Are we concerned? The drugs worn off? Was it too many drugs? Are you all right? There's, there's a lot of things that you're mixing here. Yeah, that one. That one I, I don't like. Okay. <laughs> I want it to be more than what it is. I weighed the whole thing up before I came to you. I haven't thought at all about my own reward. I really didn't come here of my own accord. Just don't say I'm... What's your favorite song on the show? My favorite song emotionally. You only have three to choose from. I can't be. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I I would argue. I think overall, my favorite song in the show is "Damned for All Time." Ooh, yes. I you did that so well. I actually have it written in my notes. It's 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 my favorite song in the show. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then I think all production specifically. It was the only time I've ever liked Gethsemane. The way you did Gethsemane, I was mm-hmm. okay with listening to it. That's normally one in the films or on the albums I yep. skip. That's the song for me that it's like, I forget that song's in the show because I skip it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I loved how you did Gethsemane. So that was something I think was, that I was my favorite song in our production. Yeah. But outside of our production, it's Stamped for All Time. Oh my goodness, gushy feelings. <laughs> Yay! I, I love Dan for all time and the way you did it. <laughs> um, oh, but, no. <laughs> but no, I really would say I, I like SMNE and I think I said it a couple times already, yep. but it's just because I get to feel all the emotions and yeah. really develop as a character so through the one song. maybe that proves my point that it. that's really when Jesus finally gets to explore his yeah. feelings and I'm missing that in a lot of maybe that especially act, if you quote, skip it too yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Yeah, yeah no i agree no but i i think i agree i like the performance of damn for all time i like the lyrics of mm. gethsemane so mm-hmm. i think that's yeah absolutely for me it's so hard to pick a favorite because like i got to see so many powerhouse people be on stage and like have these really gorgeous like emotional moments where like it was just it, it was the, it brings me back to the whole reason why I do theater. It's exploring the humanity and, and the reasons why we do things and the reason why stories need to be told. And there were so many beautiful moments where like everybody seemed to have that climax moment where they're like, either I'm done with this or I've got to do this and I don't want to do it. And, and, but I think if I were to, if I had to pick one, honestly, I feel like it was, um, it was the, uh, the song between, between Jesus and Pontius Pilate right after the lashes, I oh. think when he gets down on your level and starts like mm. looking at you. Cause like, talk to me. Ta- yes. Yeah. Convince me why. Convince me why I don't, don't because do it kind of along the same vein of like, you know, in Judah, from Judas's perspective, I have to do this because this is the only way mm. you are my friend. I love you so much and I don't want to do this, but I have to Pilate is like, I've got a group of people who are about to riot if you can't tell me why I shouldn't do this. And and realizing that in that moment, you're like, I can't I can't give you a reason because this is just the way it has to be. And both of them in that moment having the resolve going, okay, here's what comes next. And that's the catalyst for everything that happens after that. And it was just such a gorgeous moment where everybody in the room, the air just went out. They're like, 
this is what we have to do now. And it was, oh God, that moment was so pretty every night. Every night, it was great. So that was my favorite. <laughs> that was the don't, you can't turn back. Yes, it was yeah. literally the, yes, there yeah, is no that, going that back. That's kind of a shout out yeah. because I, I do remember thinking this is really effective. Yeah. How this was strung together. Yeah. Um, it makes me, again, think of Jesus in a human way. Yeah. Uh, but there is something I don't like about it in it is the moment where Jesus could have saved himself. Yeah. Mm. Herself, themselves. Themselves. <laughs> <laughs> How, however you identify. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the moment. And I go, maybe this is a new uh, martyr complex. Is that if, if Jesus was a real person in, in biblical times and we have this, do you think there was maybe a little bit of this uh, martyr syndrome or he got so popular? Like we talk about religion as a cult in just sort of an overtone maybe of this show because that's kind of how they play it in this show. Yeah. Yeah. But do, do we see with cult leaders them sort of get this God complex, right? And so... In a very literal sense, a God yeah, complex. Was there, <laughs> was there I was maybe a little bit of this? If if we take out the, the religious truth side of this and just look at Jesus as a human, do we yeah. think he maybe had a little bit of a God complex? A little bit of, I have to do this because I want to be known for all time and I'm a martyr. That's a really excellent question. That was the moment I went, dude, just save yourself. Yeah. Talking about the humanity portion of it, Jesus knows what is coming next and yeah. knows that that even though that is an option, it's not an option, right? It's the idea that in order to fulfill the things that we know are coming, there is only one way to do this. And that is the ultimate. I think at that point, it no longer becomes I want to be remembered for all time. It is I literally have to face my own mortality and I am terrified of doing it, but I am going to do it anyway. Sure. Because I know that I have to. Because it's for the greater good, I think. Yeah. And I, I like that you're asking that question. It's a good one to think about. But I I believed in that moment that it really was about like the the Bible that we read about, the, yeah. the stories. He, sure. She believed that she was doing it for humanity so everyone could go to a better place yeah. uh, mm -hmm. because they couldn't do it without it's, them it's the sacrifice yourself to save the many yes versus mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's like yeah. i i definitely that is what i was thinking about in that moment because sure. yeah and you i think i think playing think, that character yeah, that's what yeah, you have to do yeah, you, yeah definitely that's a great question though i love to think about that more so then on the flip side of this for judas from judas's perspective yeah. um i would like to know like you know doing having to come to Caiaphas and Annas and go, this is where he is going to be. Here is where you can, you know, get him and getting, you know, paid for, you know, the betrayal at, at what point did like, do you think that like, um, how did you struggle with, did you struggle with that moment of doing that? Like, I mean, struggle in the, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. I think <laughs> do you like how eloquent I am when I'm talking to my friends? <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> you rang <laughs> there it is that was my favorite thing for doing the show there it was thank you um, <laughs> I think I do still regularly pray to Megan in case anyone fantastic <laughs> same I actually have a little statue of you in my really in my bedroom it's delightful ma'am so I I think that it's not like it was advertised that there was a bounty out on Jesus's head right so I do think that when Judas goes and the sort of the way that I played it, when Judas goes to turn Jesus in, there's still the 
a possibly naive belief that these are the religious leaders. These are people who are supposed to have the good of the people in mind. They are the thing that is holding back the Roman Empire. They are keeping the Jews safe in the Roman Empire. Sure. These people would never hurt us. And violence isn't their answer to things. So I think when my Judas went to initially turn Jesus in and tell them where he was, there was a willful ignorance of maybe they won't hurt him. Like they just need the the group to break up. They just need to like Yoko Ono yeah. the band and, <laughs> and it'll be fine. Like, what an excellent separates. reference. That was beautiful. If everybody separates and if he can just calm down or if he can join forces with them, if we can find a peace here, maybe everybody gets to be okay. And yes, he won't forgive me for a while, but I can fix it. Like as long as he's still alive, as long as we're all still alive, I can fix it. And so I think that that was the mindset that Judas had, or that was very much the, the motivation that I had sure. in that scene sure. was if I give you everything you want, you don't have to hurt him. And that was the belief that is so shattered by the time we get to the second round of blood money and damned for all time. Of, sure. I, I saw what you did and this isn't what I agreed to. And that's what drives him to kill himself, I think, mm -hmm. is the fact that he thought it could all be all right. And when he realizes that it cannot be all right, he can no longer participate in what has happened. Um, wow. He removes himself from a scenario he cannot fix. And it's not the right answer. Let's get that out of the yeah, way yeah, immediately. Yeah. Yes, immediately, That is, that yes. is not the right answer to doing something. Um, but also if you look at the the biblical ideal behind this, uh, he'd served his purpose mm -hmm. to God. He had done what he was supposed to do yep. and having him stick around wouldn't have been great for the narrative. So he couldn't stick around. Wow. <laughs> that didn't work <sighs> for the story the, the Almighty was telling. Oh, and now I understand your God. Well, at least that's what you said. So you are the Christ, you're the great Jesus Christ. Prove to me that you're divine. Change my water into wine. That's all you need to do, and I know it's all true. Come on, King of the Jews. Um, I love all this deep diving. I know, character. it's so fun. Um, Having all the humans in the room. So speaking of like all of these uh, other like sort of maybe even secondary characters, um, I think Mary Magdalene in this show is so superfluous, it hurts. <laughs> How dare you! I should have hit the button, I'm sorry. I'm like, does anyone dissent that? I don't know. I don't know, but, I should have um, hit the button. I mean, I think Could We Start Again, Please, is a beautiful song that doesn't work without her in it, but I do feel like that's the only reason she's in the show. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the only reason she's there yeah. is for Could We Start Again, Please? So, to me, she's a I, shame. I, yeah, I think the only reason she's maybe in this show, one, historically accurate, if... Mm this all happened sure. uh but <laughs> i think she offers the different maybe a different perspective on jesus in a way like i think she comes at it from a different angle sure is is how i would do it but otherwise like uh I, one of the best known songs in the show is don't know how to love him i yes. i swear it's an every female's like audition booklet and everyone has sang it at least. Oh, it's not mine. Yeah. Oh. It's not mine. Um, <laughs> My but, voice can't go like that. But like, me? <laughs> every time I listen to it, I'm just like, you are brainwashed. 
She's definitely a lighter touch, but I, I always felt like, at least with our Mary Magdalene and Tabitha, um, I, I think that she was saying the things that I would later feel. Sure. Like she was more in tune Aww. with that and more like um what <laughs> empathetic um what's the word I'm looking for it starts with uh, an i intuitive? <laughs> intuitive. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did say in tune today. <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, I I just think that um women are better at that and she kind of knew before Jesus did. Yeah. Fair. Uh, that he was getting burned out. But I do think there could have been more there. I do agree with that that she could have we agree with you. But yeah, she yeah. Done but yeah, do we also just feel like it's it's almost like a weird if not done in a mostly female cast. It's the only female lead. Oh yeah, yeah, it's the only female lead. lead. And I say that lead yep. quote quote it's with not. big air quotes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, yeah. So, um do we give her a pass in this? I don't know. I I love the song. I do. It's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I just wonder why it needs to be there other than to <laughs> offer this other perspective in the show. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just being really cynical and critical. I don't know. No, I mean, I think in an all-female show, it does stand out less. But when you see a film of it or you listen to a, a sort of traditional recording or see a traditional version of the show, she does very much feel like the token female character. Sure. Where it sort of feels like they stuck her in because they needed a, a female. Yeah. Which is a shame because we have seen... Andrew Lloyd Webber write females better. We've we've seen them do women yeah. right. better. Well, and so again, this, does this was one of his like first a, ones, right? Yeah. yeah. So like he I was learning that yeah. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, even if you go back into the biblical stories, it is a very male-heavy culture and story. So it does feel uncomfortably historically accurate that she wouldn't be very well featured or very heavily featured. But it is disappointing looking at it from today's perspective yep. that there is so little of her it's it's interesting you bring this up too uh it's in feeding into my weber venom hmm. um <laughs> i i think most of andrew Lloyd weber's musicals are lazy because one yes it is repetitive hmm. but two they're either based in historical fact so the plot is already built so there's no <laughs> real creativity that needs to go into it. But I just love the emphatic nodding that's happening yeah, over yeah. with Megan. She's like, yes, but also, continue. Um, keep it coming. Uh, keep it you, coming. Keep let's, it coming. Let's look at all of his shows as a whole. Most characters don't have a lot of arc. They are one note the entire way through from start to finish, and you're just blasted over the head. Uh, like, worse than a crown of thorns in piercing my brain. Like, yes, I get who you are. Can we have a little growth, please? Uh, can we have some growth, so, please? But, but, like, in this context, when it's built for you, like, Jesus Christ Superstar, we have a historical plot we have to follow based upon a the most famous book in the world <laughs> so like we have to stick to script but i just find it lazy oh and god I, it's so true and i want to have a dissenting opinion but i felt like i was trying really hard to give my character an arc <laughs> <laughs> because that's what i like from musicals yeah. and i don't know just yeah. shows if i can general. find that like i seek out that those roles and a lot of times they're not the lead role in shows, mm. like you get to find the fun side characters that get to have that build and arc. Those are the ones I seek out. Mm -hmm. I love to, my trope is I love to play the funny nerd sidekick because a lot of times they're they're the audience favorite mm -hmm. and they have a fun little story arc. And I'm like, oh, they get to change or be fun. And uh, they're, they're my mm. go-to in a lot of shows. I think Judas had a nice arc. 
Judas had a wonderful arc. Judas I had film. the arc in this show. I yeah. Think. yeah. <clears throat> Judas has the arc. I also feel like that depends on how how it's staged and what director. Yeah, is. yeah. how it's staged. How venomously Judas comes out with heaven on their minds. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean that immediate first line of my mind is clearer now. If Judas comes out of that with the same rage that damned for all time has you can kill that character's arc really effectively sure um and i hate to say it's gonna so many people like him but uh mitchin yeah tim mitchin who was on tour yes. sure. uh i didn't like his portrayal of judas i didn't see an arc there he seemed very smug and very self-satisfied and very rage driven for the entirety of the show yeah um he did manage to remove the arc that Judas has. Sure. Um, so I do think it's not necessarily that Judas was written with an arc. I think but an actor yeah, who tries hard enough in. can find can one. Sure. <laughs> yeah. You did so a wonderful I, yeah, job. I, yes. I wouldn't give that a, as a pro to Weber. I think that an yeah, actor yeah, yeah, yeah. who tries That's, hard enough can sure. make the arc happen. That's oh, that. <laughs> I don't Absolutely know fair. if However, actually uh, in there. To mention is like bona fide pop. So, uh, <laughs> I will drink your cup of poison And I'm, I have to interject this because like normally we do it in show notes, but I have to do it here because you guys are here. So we have a section called what if where we'd like to and you know, like we create a scenario and do a thing. So I, I, it's not really a what if, but like I have to know from your perspective as Judas, what happened right before you come on to sing Heaven on Their Minds and the first line is my mind is clearer now. What happened? Did you ever think about what that scene was like right before you started this show? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Since, I mean, the way our show was staged, uh, we have we had the overture and Judas and I, Judas and I, Jesus and I were together. <laughs> uh, multiple personalities now. Yes. Uh, we were together and then I book it off stage and everyone else gets to stay on stage and sort of scenes are built around you, I believe. Mm-hmm. I've never got to be. I left, so I didn't get to see that part. Yeah. Um, I wasn't invited. <laughs> <laughs> things, things happen. I book it off stage. I go all the way to the back of the auditorium, so I leave the amphitheater entirely sure. and then re-enter. Um, so for the, my mind is clearer now, uh, I think there is a, a growing pressure from Rome. And I think that is the thing that Judas has started to notice. That okay. There are these celebrations it's not the first time you know hey zana hosanna it's not the first time that's happened there are more and more places we're going where he's getting recognized he's getting acknowledged parties are being thrown in his honor rome is starting to notice and i think in the 1970s film they mm-hmm. do that during hey zana hosanna where judas turns around and there are centurions and there are more and more centurions oh. that cut back and forth it's the party and then up on the cliffs there are the centurions sure and that to me, I just moved forwards in my sort of Judas timeline where we're going through the streets and more people are watching and those people are armed and no one else seems to notice this creeping shadow. And so for my Judas, he's part of the party. He leaves the auditorium and in my mindset, opening that door and coming from the back of the audience on my mind is clearer now, uh, the back line of the audience are a threat. And oh, that wow. threat moves up the audience 
every song. The backline is Centurions, and then What's the Buzz? It's halfway through the house. By the Kiss, it's the front row. Oh like my God, the, that's the so cool. has been overtaken. I love um, it. So that was sort of my driving force, especially since I was sent out into the audience a lot with the staging. It was sort of something that the director wanted me to do. Sure. So I enter from stage, I enter from off stage in the audience often. I exit that way. I have songs there. So that to me was living in sort of the real world. And there's the world that the the Jesus and his followers have created. And I'm no longer part of it. I'm outside looking in and I'm outside where it's dangerous and that danger is coming. Oh my and God, that's I so have cool. to stop it before it gets on stage. Sure. So that was my what if. That I was love sort of the that. Driving of the character. What a yeah. great, what a great place to begin that. Well, oh, it's wow. Sort of that, it's cool. that epiphany. It's that aha moment. It's mm. that light bulb goes on and mm-hmm. you go, wait, all of this is coming together and I'm, se- I'm seeing this in a different light and I don't like what I'm seeing. Yeah, yeah. But that is a shame. I mean, now thinking about it, the fact that the aha moment happens directly before Judas comes on stage because the first line of the song is my mind is clearer now. Mm-hmm. That's also very lazy writing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't have to tell you what the epiphany is. Uh, all you have to know is this guy's mind is clearer now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can see things. Don't ask how, don't no, ask I can why. see clearly now. Oh my <laughs> God, like, I love actually, that. Yeah, that's a, it's a kicker of a start, but lazy. Lazy. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Um, okay, so... Uh, what maybe then are your favorite parts of the show or like as or parts of the show you don't enjoy? I, for a very long time, very much disliked most of Jesus's songs because I think specifically the 1970s, like sort of going back to, to that yeah. film that yeah. most people know so well. I think you like it or not, depending on whether or not you like the voice style. Sure. So Ted Neely was a very whiny Jesus. He was real whiny. (laughs) A lot of it felt like it was this guy complaining where it's like, all right, didn't you kind of sign up for this though? He was a whiny Jesus. We talked about this in Pippin where it was kind of uh, the the original Broadway soundtrack is hard to listen Mm. to. And I think that is part of the 70s thing. It's all part of the the whether it was the recording equipment that was available to them mm. or whether it was just the style of Broadway at that time. And uh, it's hard. Yeah. And different groups like different vocal sounds. Um, but I think for Jesus Christ Superstar, because it is a, a rock opera. Yeah. If you don't like the voice of one of the performers, it's real hard to get over that. It's hard to get over <laughs> it. It's really <laughs> hard to move. Yeah past that sticking point sure um so i think it's very different for each performance yeah that for you that's you know what you're yeah that's my, my so biggest focus point yeah. how about you megan well kind of going off the the voice of the performers um because it's a rock opera the notes are set the songs are set you can't really go off of that but there is a lot of acting involved and if like we had talked about a uh, previous actor getting rid of the arc of Judas. There's so many ways an actor can play a role. I think that that's a big thing. But I'm also trying to just think of a specific moment in the show to answer your question. And yep. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> that's a perfectly applicable answer. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yes. like you can look at it as a whole and just accept it for that, or you can pick it apart. And, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think, what I tried to do because I think if you pick it apart, you get to a dangerous part as an actor to where you can't really 
play the role well. Yeah, and especially yeah. And especially from your perspective, like again, it's sort of set in stone. It's this thing, and you have to come at it from a broad, overarching, omniscient view in a way. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's actually that's on par with yeah. your. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> one thousand percent. Yes. Yes. Um, I will say this is funny to me. I uh, one of my favorite numbers in the show is also the number I hate and don't understand and think it can completely go away. I think uh, it's Herod's number. <laughs> oh, interesting. It's, it comes out of nowhere. Okay. It's not, it's the one. You're like, right. It's like the hurdle, you just, the speed bump. And it, it's just like, <laughs> like whoa, what happened? Why is this here? But I do enjoy it because we need to see the shift in population, the population's view of Jesus and realizing, oh, they want him crucified. Yeah. And I think that's the only reason it's there, but I think it could have been different. Um, the version I saw, they turned, kind of turned it into a reality show and like people have to call in to vote and i thought that was interesting so it's like an american idol do we kill him do we not kill him wow and it was kind of cool and they're like crucify him so yeah it was kind of fun yeah we made ours a dance number of course <laughs> herod came out with his herod girls and they all had well, yeah, feathers and, on their and heads i think and that's and traditional it's great it but i like tradition. the idea that it was a reality show getting the populace's opinion sure so but yeah i, I also think from a like just a show perspective, Herod's number provided the comedic release. Comedic, yeah, you need yes. it because you need it. Moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I will say it's the speed bump, but it's also one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. I don't want to cut it. Yeah, um, fair but, enough. But yeah. Fair enough. I think it's also nice to see the perspective of the only person in the show who doesn't take Jesus seriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I think you also Mood. need that perspective of like every single other person is very life or death about this human being. Yes. Like whether or not you believe the, the story for the show, everyone has bought in that this person is yes. either God or a deluded maniac who believes that they're God. Correct. And I think Herod represents that absolutely almost nihilistic atheist yeah. Baroque kind of like so <laughs> deeply in the physical that it's great to have that perspective of it's a magician. Like, guys, calm down. Oh my God. He's just gonna like pop off a dove's head and put it back on again. We've seen it before. <laughs> it is literally the oldest trick in the book. Like, yeah. calm down. I appreciate that. So, cause like with this, with this material, you forget that comedic, like having some sort of catharsis in comedy is important because we deal with so many other heavy themes in this show. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've got suicide, we've got betrayal, we've got like, I mean, you know, succumbing to the masses. Like there's so many other things. And then for Herod to be like, like here is a thing and let's come out especially since our Herod wore you know 12 inch platform shoes and Ooh. like stomped down a thing and did a dance number with like eight women it was delightful <laughs> but you know I I feel like for for me the weak point as we were talking about Mary Magdalene I actually I started really thinking about it and the fact that yeah she's on stage she kind of reminds me of Ilsa from Spring Awakening in oh, the idea comparison. that she is on the periphery really of all of the things and she only has micro moments where she goes I don't know how to love him and uh, can we start again please and, and she's only got these two kind of spotlight moments and then every other time it's like she like in every scene that we did she was on the periphery kind of in a supportive role to Jesus but very just non-vocal just like I mean every time that like that Megan and, and Tabitha Southworth who was our um, Mary Magdalene uh, they would have connection moments but it was always non-verbal connection and then she just kind of went away and it's like 
I I mean, I love Tabitha and her, her portrayal of Mary Magdalene was delicious and I loved it. But like it, that to me doesn't, it didn't offer anything to move the story forward, right? So like when we talk about the weak point of the show, it's what could you cut if you had to cut something? I cut her. Almost. I cut. You could. But again, it's that historical, biblical accuracy. Uh, correct. Yeah. yeah but she was like, a major part of I mean, Jesus, so. how many people are doing this for historical accuracy? Well, I mean, let's be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> the whipping. Talk show. Oh, oh my know, God. I, I was actually about to say yeah, this I, is a, a strong or weak point to me. Taking you through those 30, 39, 39 lashes, lashes, lashes. Yep, is so powerful and so. So long, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So awkward. It's it's the and I I I but absolutely it gives you credit. a reference of time and like the pain mm. that because eventually I start being like if I was enduring this crap and I think it was built correctly in that way mm -hmm. but yeah. in in a theatrical way it's it's taking a lot of time and it's almost yeah, pulling you out of this fourth wall moment. But I think that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. I will say I think that's... I would never want that role specifically for... <laughs> I think how hard the actor portraying Pontius Pilate has to work to make one and 39 <laughs> do heavily emotionally different experiences for the audience. Yeah. Like, you how cannot just how check out the you? counting. <laughs> I know, I got to be off stage. Like, <laughs> I don't know how you did that. Judas is just chilling off stage like, ooh, that looks like it's painful. Good thing I'm not out there. <laughs> yeah. It was really hard. My mind was in a weird place. Like, yeah. I just, yeah. I just remember like, trying to be healthy about it. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. yeah. Because like, I'm like, okay, well, this is happening. And by the end, I was mentally exhausted, which really worked for where I needed to be in that moment. And I thought Brandon did a really good job as Pontius Pilate in making the one in 39 seem really different um, in energy. And mm -hmm. he was just as tired at the end as I was. I, I believe that. Really Dying worked. on stage is so hard. Uh, <laughs> well, and the way that we did it in our particular production, um, so Megan is down kneeling on the ground. She's wrapped her arms up into the silks, which are there for yeah. the you know su subsequent numbers. And she's wrapped up in these and she and Pontius Pilate have this moment and he's like, like the subtext is now's your chance. This is the final thing. Do you have anything to say to me? And Megan just like drops her head and she's like, all right, let's bring it on. And then the um, Faye Wild was our kind of like lasher, right? And so she's got this LED whip that she's using to like do the thing. And I got to, when we did photo call, I got to see this from the front because on stage, I'm only ever seeing this from the back. So then I got to come around the front and watching Megan be wrapped up in this. Every time this thing hit the stage, you could watch her just like pulse yeah. in every one of these things. I can't imagine physically doing that 39 times and then finally by the end when it's done I literally saw your body just go oh my god okay we're done now can we please be done now I wanted it to look like my arms had become disjointed too oh just like, it sure did sis good. sure <laughs> did <laughs> that's some boss shit right there I say that and now I take it back I was on stage with you wasn't I for the yeah, last you're, couple of lashes you were in the I'm back I think dead Yep, because I remember being down on your level, and every time you jerked, I jerked with you. Because we had you our came foreheads up and, together. Yes. Yep. Oh my god. At the that's very right. end of the lashes, 
Oh my I god, I forgot. Came that. and went through the end of it with you. Yeah. Oh my god. I For our listeners, again. there's a pandemic that happened yeah. in between. <laughs> yes. We did the show. Yes. And right we now. did it in 2019. <laughs> so But listening to you talk about how exhausted you were, I was like, why am I having like my palms have started to sweat and my heart rate has accelerated. Why am I having such a visceral reaction? I shouldn't have been there. And then I was like, no, no, I you was there. there. Yep. yep. I went through the end of that with you. Because your death awful. scene is before that, right? Yeah. Yep. Yes. So my ghost actually, comes back to you. Actually, you coming back is one of the only reasons I question on who is the protagonist because you get to come back again, like mm. the narrator of the story in a way. Mm -hmm. Yep, for Superstar. And it's like, wait, who is it? And I think only because you come back for this song is why we question who is the protagonist. So, uh, a little surprise. So, uh, yes. we normally go into a table read section. Uh, we're actually going to continue this conversation with a part two. Yes. Um, and we'll do a mm -hmm. table read at the end of our part two, because I really want to deep dive into this gender band situation, maybe go into how things felt different, how things were different because of this show. Yeah. So, uh, we will see you in our part two, deep diving into a gender bent version of Jesus Christ Superstar. So, until next time, this has been... From the Top, a Wandering Unicorn production. It kills me a little bit. It was only 39 lashings. Take it to 40. <laughs> uh.